Welcome back to Shared Word. Sandy. Hey, Mark. What's going on? <laughs> Just happy to be here with you having this wonderful discussion on a beautiful uh, seemingly winter, but it's yeah, it has me day. it has me fooled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just give it a week. We'll see what what, what it looks like. <laughs> so, we've been talking through the life of David so far. We've uh, talked about David how he was anointed. We talked about David and Goliath, that battle, what happened there. We, last time we talked about David's relationship, his volatile relationship with Saul, and how somehow God was in the midst of all of that forming and shaping his heart. And uh, we're going to fast forward a little bit. Now David is king of both both uh, both Judah and Israel. In right? Israel, right. And uh, we're well, really, it really is one, one right. entity. You know, it became two after David, but because of the politics with Saul's family, it oddly enough was that uh, for this period of seven years or so. But now he reigns over all. Yes. And we're in 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is a story, actually kind of feels like two stories that are really, really powerful. I know that you and I have are been, we've been eager to get into this conversation. And so uh, it all revolves around the ark. Would you help unpack the idea of the ark for us? Well, you, you know, it, it draws us back to uh, the, the earlier biblical account of the creation of the ark. It was an essential part of the uh, tabernacle. Uh, it would be, or some version of it would be in the temple to come, but it was the place where the tablets were located. So it had tremendous importance. To so this people. is uh, Moses's tablets. Moses's tablets. Some say even the broken tablets are in with the uh, huh. the second set. That's its own interesting discussion. But try to think about how important it would be to have this very holy uh, receptacle, uh, this very holy place. Uh, uh, that so it's both the house of the of the word. Uh, but also something that draws back in the history to the, the momentous time uh, when the tablets were delivered uh, and the, in God's instructions to keep them in a special place in the tabernacle where God dwells. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Now, imagine what it meant to a society, to a community, to have lost it in, in battle. David defeats the Philistines and is able to recover the ark and bring it home. Yeah. Now, you know, we, I don't know what would be the similar sort of thing for us. Those of us who go to Washington to see the original copies of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, we know the veneration we hold for these special documents. Uh, this would have been that and perhaps more. Yeah. So that's what's in the ark. There's also this, the, the sacred symbolic nature of the ark, the profound symbolic nature of the ark, which goes beyond symbolism. And it actually was uh, perceived as and experienced as the unique particular presence of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that the ark would uh, go out with the people uh, when they were moving. The ark would go out uh, in battle uh, with those who were going to fight as a way of saying God's with us. God's with us. Yeah. yeah. So the same, the same God who was in the fire uh, 
at night, the cloud by day, is, is still leading with and among uh, the people of Israel. That's beautiful. So in this, um, in this chapter, the ark is being returned, being returned to Jerusalem. And before it's returned to Jerusalem, something happens. And I know we're not going to stay here long, but I do think it's really interesting to understand and, and unpack what happened beforehand, because it has to do with the relationship that that God's people have with the ark. So the ark is being moved to Jerusalem, and as it was being moved, it was on a cart, and it looked like the cart was might stumble and fall. And so someone by the name of Uzzah, is that correct? Mm -hmm. He reached out to to kind of balance the ark, and uh, God's wrath burned against him, and he died. It's a very difficult story to understand. <laughs> it really um, is, the, because the, it's such good intention. He didn't want the ark to fall. Well, and, and uh, uh, the, but the question was why. Yeah, and, why? And there are so many commentaries on it. Some people felt that the instruction that was given as to how to move the ark uh, needed to be adhered to at all times. If it is this treasure thing and God said, here's how you move it, and you don't move it that way, one can see how that could cause problems. Right. Well, it was to be carried uh, by the Levites, not put on... Not put on a cart. Not put on a cart. Yeah. There was sort of a sense of disrespect, mm. um, and it plays itself out in this rather odd way of... Uh, it's being carried incorrectly, and then it appears to be falling, and then there's this touch, and there's always this sensitivity about getting too near to the holy, or yeah, uh, and so it's a it's a momentary uh, pause and a painful one uh, in the journey of the ark back to right. the people. Because in the text it says there's thirty thousand people in this parade of sorts, and just to think about that as as. King David leading this procession of the ark returning. He had high hopes, maybe even as a leader, there's a lot on the line. And this happens and the party's over with. <laughs> like it's it's done. I think one of the reasons why this story in particular is so foreign to us is many, I would say at least in the Christian tradition, have lost the sense of reverence for God's presence. And so we have a very accessible vision and view of God. So this idea of a God who would respond in such a way is so foreign. It conjures up in my mind Moses striking the rock rather than speaking from the rock to call forth uh, water. And that was enough of a reason for him not to enter the promised land. Mm -hmm. That God is serious about his instructions. And uh, that's that gives me pause. Just like it gave them pause, it gives me pause to go, how flippant am I with the instruction that God gives? That's a wonderful way to look at it, Mark. Um, but these instructions, these words are to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think maybe that's why the story's here. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't just be joyful and gleeful and it's just all wonderful. There is a sense of awe, respect, and reverence. It, dare I say even the word that they use that we were afraid to use fear, fear. yeah the ark goes to uh, the home of someone named Obed Edom something interesting happens that home is blessed David hears that that home is being blessed and then he says what uh, we should bring it to Jerusalem. If that's going to be happening, let's right. bring it to Jerusalem. Right. And then something beautiful happens, right? 
Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, you have this sense, it sort of builds up to it. You have this sense of dedication. And then we get to this image of David there. Um, you know, not wearing uh, regal uh, dress at all. What do you make, uh, Mark, of, of before we get to the dancing and the joyfulness of David, of uh, the manner in which he is there to, to you know, receive it? First off, the ark is not on a cart. <laughs> it's right. actually being carried in the way that they're instructed to. So, uh, so uh, it's being carried with poles mm-hmm. and the Levites are carrying it as it was supposed to, as it was supposed to, which right. for me, there's, there's maybe, uh, there's might be a deeper truth that the way in which God wants the ark to be carried also the image of God's unique presence is through reverent intimacy, like not to put on a cart and let some ox pull it, but to actually be carried between two Levites or however many with reverent intimacy, that that's a lesson in itself for me. Uh, and there, David is in 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 great humility, dressed not as a king, but very much as a common person, right? In a tunic, yeah. Um, as if to say, what for him when it comes to the, the God's presence coming to Jerusalem, he's among many. And uh, I even love the fact that they take six steps and then they make a sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they're just it's just constant, ongoing gratitude. Gratitude, right? uh, and it is this holy reverence as well, this sacrificial uh, expression of gratitude, like you're saying. And there he is wearing this linen ephod. And David's kind of saying, by his dress, no, no. God is the sovereign. God is the sovereign. And I don't yeah. want there to be any confusion. Here's someone saying, no, it, the right way for me to greet this as the king is of a person who feels humility before the one yeah. uh, who is coming. Who is co- It's as if the king is coming to town. Right, right, yeah. And it would, not be, it would not be me. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so when that happens, he's wearing this, uh, this, this uh, garment, and he begins to dance. And I love the fact that he says, and there's some translations, that he, he dances with all of his might, uh, with loud and joyous sounds, with the sound of the shofar, Dancing almost with abandon, with, with without control, uh, uh, uncontrollable joy. <laughs> Don't you get the feeling? Yeah. Uh, as if to say that, uh, and one sees this in Hasidic teaching, and one sees it in different forms of, of Christian practice. Uh, don't they? And, and help me with this, but that there should be joy in the relationship we have with God. Mm-hmm. It's not just the rules or the instructions. There's something incredibly joyful mm-hmm. uh, that's beyond reason. It has nothing to do with law or reason or me understanding the rules or the instructions or mm-hmm. even the modeling that we may see in the Bible. There's just a sense of incredible joy that God is in our lives. We have this relationship. We have this support. You think about all the things I suspect he had in his mind all the things that had happened in his life. Yeah. You know, you talked last time about coming from that stage of peach fuzz mm-hmm. to the wrinkles. Mm-hmm. And he, this God had supported him mm-hmm. and had saved him and had brought him to this place. And now he was able to welcome God's presence into the city that he had built for God. What, and that God was there 
to s support the whole people. Uh, it, 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 one just, ha I mean, we're alive, Mark. It's incredible. We have this beautiful day. We have all these gifts. We have all these blessings. We've been saved. We, we have this support. We have this guidance. We can talk about it, or we can just <laughs> dance until, you know, we're, we're, we're just out of, yeah. we're depleted. Yeah. And that sort of expresses the joy side. Yeah. Yeah. There's many of the churches that I've been a part of, there's such a restraint in our worship. And you travel, especially in different cultures and in our world today, and dance is a big part of their worship. Uh, it's it's as if words are not adequate. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna have to use my body to to celebrate. I'm so moved. Yeah. And uh, I love that picture of even David doing that. Even David being that moved, and his wife Michael is not of the same mind. Well, she is not, and of course she, we recall she's Saul's daughter. Saul's daughter, right? And uh, she didn't like it and criticized him uh, for it. Uh, what was her? What would you? How would you characterize her uh, concern or opposition to what he had done? I mean, she had a basis for her thinking it. Yeah, she actually. Uh, I think she says it's it's not kingly, right? It's, it's not much, of the yeah. king, right? Uh, to be dancing like that, wearing that in the eyes of servant girls, for whatever reason, that was an important sticking point. Well, for her. He, I mean, you might think that his, you know, he was dancing so uncontrollably. Uh, the people in the crowd may have seen David. They yeah, may right. have seen yeah. part of his body or his yeah. legs or yeah. something. Yeah. And that was not right decorum for her. Right. That's right. Yeah. She grew up in a palace, right? Uh, to enter life. So she knew what was kingly in the eyes of Saul. And what's so interesting is when Michael finally has a, a talking to, to King David, David has a, a very stern response. He says, to her, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me to be ruler over the people of Israel. And then he says this, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Well, I think, <laughs> you know, that's right. I mean, I think he's teaching a very important lesson here. Um, it's not outward appearance. It's not uh, the rules of decorum. Uh, and in a sense, he's saying that your father may have been caught up in that. Yeah. Uh, and yet, when it became time, when it came time to follow God's direction, he was thinking more about himself or what seemed right yeah. to him. Yeah. David's showing us that uh, that there are two qualities that are essential, even though they may not look right in society. Hmm. One is uh, humility before God. Mm -hmm. That is to say, I understand this relationship, mm -hmm. and I am the worshiper. Uh, mm -hmm. I am, and you are the sovereign. That's right. And As the king, I'm, the, I'm, I'm one worshiper among many. Exactly. That's who I am. And, and that requires humility. Yeah. And yet, uh, I'm so caught up in, in the beauty and the glory of it, of the relationship with God, that I will express the joy because it's that, that is the, that is what's huge. Yeah. Uh, David is clearly pointing us in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love about these two stories as they come together is that you would separate, most people would separate the idea of a fear of the Lord and a wild celebration. 
And what this story, this chapter in David's life is teaching us is having a reverent appreciation, fear, respect for God, the bigness, the, the holiness of God, doesn't lead us to a stoic, somber existence. It actually leads us to an incredible, overwhelming sense of joy that will make us abandon to ourself and celebration with full joy to God. And that David, it displays in this chapter so beautifully that it is before the Lord that he's dancing. So while Michael is looking around at the people, David has an audience of one. Is about as powerful a lesson in leadership as we could get. Mm-hmm. You know, my my takeaway from this uh, studying this this week is handling handing the Lord's presence in our in our life with reverence, intimacy, and joy. Uh, uh, a Christian scholar, C.S. Lewis, he uh, he once said, "Joy is the serious business of heaven." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the seriousness that heaven takes joy very seriously and uh, that's what this story reminds me fantastic well thank you Sandy alright so next week we're jumping into uh, a heartbreaking story a very difficult story how could the one that we just talked about get into all that stuff we won't even tell people now what it is (laughs) they need to just tune in I look forward to it (laughs) me too